to the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. This is your place if you are launching your career as a nurse or are preparing to launch. If you're growing into your role or growing into a new role, or if you're seeking to thrive or just need a little refresh in your work as a nurse or your life as a nurse. Living your best nursing life doesn't just happen. It takes energy and dedication. On this podcast, you will have the opportunity to learn, live, and love all the experiences of being a nurse. Nursing is truly an amazing journey. It's your amazing journey. It's your license. It's your career. It's your job. It's your reality. And it's your certification. It's all about you. You will get strategies and stories, inspiration, information on how to live your best life in this podcast. This is all about helping you stay fresh, energized, and making sure that you are your best self on the job. And when you're off the job, when you finish that day shift or that night shift, or your day is done. And this is about today, tomorrow, and your nursing future. So hang on. Thank you for being here with me on this amazing journey that we call nursing life. Welcome to the CareerWise Nurse Podcast. I'm Natalie Dietry, your host, and today I'm joined by Rachel Murray. Rachel is a neonatal nurse practitioner. She lives in Southern California, and she has made herself an opportunity to support nurses beyond her practice area as a neonatal nurse practitioner. She helps nurses to find trainings to help them meet their goals professionally, and it's really focused on communication. So, We're going to hear Rachel's passion story behind why she does what she does in addition to her clinical practice, and you'll be sure to hear how you can connect with her. Rachel, tell us a little bit about how you uh, got to where you are now on your nursing journey, and thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. Uh, So I first became a nurse in 2004, and I went straight into the NICU. I did a couple things and let's see, I went from the NICU to the ER and then on to the grad school at seven years into my career. I initially started kind of fun fact, I'm not sure how fun it really is, but I initially started off as a pediatric nurse practitioner and decided two months, I was away, excuse me, I was two months away from graduating and decided that I didn't want to be a PNP. So I kind of went back to the drawing board and decided that Really, I just needed to get back to the NICU. Um, so I finished my PMP program and simultaneously started an NNP postmasters program. And once I finished that in 2011, I've been an NNP ever since. My initial entry into nursing was kind of funny. I really had no idea. I had no idea that I wanted to be a nurse ever, actually. Um, my dad was a nurse. He was a CRNA. And for some reason, I just still never really looked at what he did as being that interesting. And somehow it just kind of hit me one day that it was a really good option for me. So I went in and I got all excited about it. And that's what I ended up doing. And um, come graduation time, I, like most nurses, was still unsure of where I wanted to go in terms of what practice area. So um, do you mind, do we have time if I tell you a quick story about how I got into the NICU? Okay, awesome. So it was 2004. It was March. I was, you know, a couple months away from graduating and I was sitting on my floor in my apartment and I was packing for spring break. I was 
you know, headed to, I think, Cabo the next day. And to my right was my then boyfriend. His name was Matt, a lovely man. And he was, uh, if you can believe it, he was applying for jobs for me. Like a really lovely man, right? (laughs) So I would sit on the floor while I was packing. He would read off a job description and I would just say yes or no, like, yes, send him my resume and, you know, a cover letter if I had kind of a generic one or no, don't do that. And so he kind of starts reading, all right, Chicago, Children's Memorial, Neonatal ICU, Natchez. And I instantly launched into all the reasons why I didn't want that job. Oh, I don't really want to be in the NICU. It's just too specialized. I don't want to kind of pigeonhole myself that early in my career. I just don't want to do nights, maybe rotating at the time. I could come out of school and not go straight to nights. Uh, so I said all these things. And as soon as I got done talking, he turned and he goes, too late. You just applied. And that was the job offer I got. It was the only job offer that I got. I took it and I loved it. I absolutely loved it so much so that clearly I am a neonatal nurse practitioner now and I have been for 11 years. So um, I just love that story and I love sharing that with nurses who are newer in their journey um, as a reminder to stay open to all of the opportunities around there. Nursing is full of them and you don't necessarily know what you like or don't like until you try it. I love this story and it really was the place for you to be because it shaped Mm -hmm. your career. I had a child in the NICU and the nurses were awesome. Awesome. It was, it was my child stabilized quickly yet the stay was still several days. And I was so grateful for those nurses because they Mm -hmm. really made all the difference at a time when we had no idea we would land in the NICU. Mm-hmm. So thank you for what you do. It does make a big difference in people's lives and the technology and the skill set you have to care for those critically ill newborns, in addition to the communication with the family members and the providers, and it's a critical care practice area. That's that's an example of a highly skilled role. And you went in as a new grad into the neonatal NICU? Did you say Mm -hmm. you went as a brand new grad into the NICU? I did. Yep. Wow. So that's like getting hired into critical care as a new grad, but it's for babies. And if nurses want to go into a highly skilled area, those jobs are there to start in critical care. Mm -hmm. You love? Yeah, they're absolutely there. Oh, I'm sorry. It it stuck with you. You know, it just made an impression on you and you stayed there. Wow. Oh, a huge impression. I remember when I left, and we don't need to get into it too much, but I remember um, leaving, actually, I I, um, I went to Guatemala for a few months and did some other things. But the day I left, I remember walking home, I was in Chicago, so I walked to and from work, which is beautiful. And I remember crying and having days where I thought, I can't believe I got paid to do that. And that is a that is a real treat. It's it's hard to come by, and um, yeah, I fell into the right niche for me for sure. Thank you for sharing, and I hope you've inspired nurses out there who are looking for a new opportunity or want to build on experience they have. Mm-hmm. And this is an example of why nursing is an amazing career and it's an amazing journey. And you still stay at the bedside working while you pursue another passion, helping nurses to communicate better. So. Let's talk about Elevate Nurses. Mm -hmm. 
you've shared a lot about how you got to where you are now in terms of nursing being what you love. Why do you want to help nurses communicate better? And why did you create your Elevate Nurses? Tell us about that because it helps nurses. Well, I know it helps nurses to do their work better and meet goals. So tell us what you do with Elevate Nurses. Take it away. Yeah. So I can't talk about it without without taking it back to my own journey. Um, I, you know, when I graduated in 2004, I was, I, you know, probably 21 years old. And the NICU, as you alluded to, is a really challenging place in the sense that emotions are really high. I would imagine it's similar in most areas and certainly in most critical care areas. Um, but you take a new parent who is already scared to death and you plop them down in the middle of the NICU and things just, things just get challenging to say the least. They and did not so, expect that they were going to meet you in no. the NICU when they went in to have that baby in most cases. No. And what I realized really quickly too, is that um, unless you're highly skilled at managing your own emotions, you just, which most people aren't, myself included, right? Most of us aren't, don't go through our lives really being trained on that. It's, things can get touchy very, very quickly. And so learning how to communicate in a way that really supported the parents and uh, communicated your credibility um, and built trust very quickly was extremely valuable. And I learned how to do that really through trial and error. Nobody sat down and taught it to me at that time, at least. And that would come later, which I'll get to. Um, but at least in the NICU over the course of my years there, I I started to develop a way of communicating um, that really built trust with parents quickly. And I could see this dark difference in my ability to uh, care for their, ch their children, um, my ability to go to work and frankly, to feel comfortable when I had those skills versus when I was new and I didn't. So fast forward, oh, I don't know, maybe five years. And I met somebody um, at, and suddenly realizing that my stories are full of boyfriends. Uh, this was another man, another gentleman who's also very nice, um, still in my life to this day. And he had told me that he was a professional development trainer for Dale Carnegie training. Um, if anybody knows, you know, not a whole lot of people, frankly, not a whole lot of people, our generation necessarily know Dale Carnegie training. Um, but a quick synopsis is it's a 108 year old company that has done professional and personal development training for years. Um, a lot of communication, human relations techniques. Anyway, so I met him and he was talking about how he took that program and it absolutely changed his life. And now he was a trainer. And so my interest was really peaked and I took a program. I moved to San Diego and the first thing I did here was find a program and I took it. And in and not overselling in any way, it changed my life dramatically. Um, communication techniques for sure, um, but a huge piece of it was stress management. That piece had also really been missing for me in the NICU. I was sort of left floundering, trying to manage my own stress, trying to build my own confidence. Everyone thinks confidence just like snap. It comes with time. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. And that program was very comprehensive to me. And so I finished it and said, um, I'm going to be a trainer. 100% I can do this. And I dove in and I started training individuals from all different industries of all different titles. In fact, I think in my 
uh, first program, I actually have a future boss in there. I was training and coaching her, which is very interesting dynamic. Um, second program, I trained my first CEO, who was amazing. And, you know, just from all different industries. And that is really what I had done for nine years now, I'm moving up to be a master trainer and facilitator for Dale Carnegie training. And Elevate Nurses came in the last uh, about a year and a half ago, as I realized that this quality training that I had become accustomed to delivering, that I was a beneficiary of years ago and now was delivering for other people, from what I had seen in my 18 years of healthcare, it does not exist for nurses. It just simply doesn't. It's possible that I just haven't seen it, but I really haven't seen it anywhere. I've never and- seen it. And I've been in hospitals across the country over the entire entirety of my career from the Midwest to Arizona to Virginia and a few places along the way. Mm -hmm. I never even thought about Dale Carnegie being suited to nurses. Mm -hmm. And you and I talked about this previously. It's something that I automatically consider to be training for business people. Mm -hmm. But why wouldn't nurses in the business of healthcare be ideal candidates for this training? No one tells you that. And it's not on the menu of health stream education or any other offering in an organization to support nurses. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It just isn't on the menu. It's not even it's it's not even like it's talked about and then dismissed. It's not even talked about. It's very rare. I think actually on our call uh, when we first spoke, I mentioned that in nine years of training, I and like thousands of individuals, I saw one nurse who wasn't even actively practicing. Not that that doesn't matter. I was still so stoked that she was there, um, but she didn't even get through, get into the program through a nursing route, right? Like she technically had the credentials and that wasn't what she did anymore. And so my, my, my own business and my personal mission came to be that this type of training, this quality of training belongs for nurses. And that isn't to say that, of course, nurses couldn't go to Dale Carnegie and get training there. They could, obviously. I did that. It's amazing. Um, but what I do is create trainings that are specific to nurses. So it really combines my 18 years at the bedside. Um, I'm still at the bedside. In fact, I'm post, I got home from work this morning. It combines my 18 years of bedside experience with my knowledge of adult learning and how to make trainings engaging, relatable, fun, interactive, how to get people results and have the skill transfer versus simply the knowledge transfer that you and I have talked about and uh, really get it in the hands of nurses where it is so, so critical. Uh, we know that the end, the end result of a nurse's work is extremely valuable and extremely important. It boggles my mind that we would not give nurses every single tool we have available to possibly give them to be successful. Thank you, Rachel, for telling us your why. It is very inspiring. And when we started this call today, I said, I am so moved by what you do. You know, I've had crucial conversations training and I was trained as a trainer and the organization that I did that training with was a hospital and they asked nurse educators to be trainers And they didn't have a strict plan, a formalized plan for how we were going to train the organization. The goal was to increase communication, improve communication among nurses and everyone that we interact with in our jobs. We were the trainers. But when we actually implemented the training, it was half day 
and it was not just nurses, and it really didn't deliver the full benefit of the training that we received to be trainers for crucial conversations. Mm-hmm. There was a healthcare track, which made me feel like, oh, wow, this is great training. Mm-hmm. It is great training. And it had scenarios that we could use to role play that were healthcare examples. Now, do they really represent the situations that were in in practice or in any healthcare setting where decisions have to be made? Maybe at at one time they did, but things have evolved in terms of the complexity of the work we do and the patients that are seen in the hospital. So it was a good introduction. And certainly I didn't take it where I could have because it was within an organization. And in another organization at a job I took after that, there was nothing like that. So I do applaud the organization that trained us for Crucial Conversations, but that was pretty unique. That was a one of a kind as far as I'm, as far as I've seen. Mm-hmm. So it's just not out there. Mm-hmm. There's lots of communication strategies or healthcare communication strategies that hospitals orient nurses to team steps, other models that are somewhat universal. And a lot of them are tied to magnet designated hospitals, implementing these things through mm-hmm. nurse residencies, et cetera. Would you agree? These are yeah. there's some standards out there, but they're more about uh, harm prevention, well, anti-bullying or incivil- managing incivility. I can't even think about all the scenarios that come up when you talk about team steps or nurse residency programming, but dedicated communication and at the level of Dale Carnegie, it's not even happening yeah. at all. Yeah, I I appreciate that you recognize that. So few people really understand what what quality training can look like. And it's unfortunate, right? Because like you said, I mean, I agree with you. I completely applaud your hospital's investment into crucial conversations, even to the extent that they did, because it's already more than a lot of organizations do. Still, what I notice, even in my own organization, when they do do an investment, I still notice that the training quality just isn't quite there. And I think one time, not one time, I, um, I think one of the misses is the investment in time because quality training, when you have a lot of content, you can't give it, you know, minimal time just doesn't happen. So if you have, um, you know, time for training, a lot of times I'll say to my organization, Hey, I could do this. I could do that. And they're like, great. You have an hour. I'm like, no, what can you, you know, what can you do in an hour? It's, it's, so the investment in time for a lot of organizations just isn't quite there. Um, and I get it to some extent, you know, every, they have to pay their nurses to attend, the cost is substantial. I get it, but it really does limit the quality that you can provide. And the other piece that I noticed in a lot of the, the trainings that I have been to as a participant in my organizations throughout, you know, Wisconsin, Chicago, Missouri, Atlanta, San, uh, San Diego, all the places that I've been, is that there still isn't this investment in the professional trainer and facilitator, trainer, facilitator, coach. It's just not the same level that I have seen in the outside business world. Now, I realized the organization I was in most recently, which is a large healthcare system in the region where I live, they also use crucial conversations. I did not see any trainings because really things were on hold due to the pandemic. Hmm. And they had invested a good bit and they did regularly offer crucial conversations training. 
But now we've had nearly a three-year gap and they weren't necessarily bringing back some of the training to support all the people in the organization. Mm. And I don't know where they're at with that now. So it wasn't just one organization that had crucial conversations, yet it was still train the trainer and then the nurses or whoever's trained, I don't know if it's nurses, are teaching instead of bringing in those people where this is what they do, like you with your Dale Carnegie master training preparedness. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's what happens in my organization too, is we use the education department and they're, they're, they're so willing and so eager. And that is amazing. Um, It doesn't necessarily translate to the best experience and the most results that they could be getting for their nurses. So it's unfortunate in that sense. And, you know, it's, it's important for, for, I think all of your listeners to understand uh, this was a really, this was sort of a, what would I call it? Like, it kind of blew my mind when I learned this uh, back in the day when I had met um, the man that introduced me to Jill Carnegie, that there are people whose skill set, their whole job is to take content that has already been created, i.e. crucial conversations or Jill Carnegie training or whatever it might be, or the content that I create, whatever it is, their job is to take content and deliver it in a way that is relatable, engaging, and gets results. That is their expertise. Those people exist. That's what I've been trained to do. There are hundreds, thousands of other trainers like that. And so, you know, they're out there. And so if your organization is not utilizing them, um, usually from, because of cost perspective, or uh, maybe they don't know what they don't know, this exists out there. And nurses can go outside of the organization, as you and I have talked about, to, to find this type of training. When I think about the experts that can deliver the content in a way that is most effective, I think about, you said an hour of training. You can barely transfer knowledge in an hour and people need a break, right? But you got to do the content if it's a CE program. Right. But when I would take away something in a short session, it would be probably from a grand rounds where they discuss cases. And that's useful. But to teach skill transfer, it's got to go in depth. Yeah. And talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Because so, so consider, let's see, a lot of examples I could use, but let's go back to nursing school. Consider when you were first learning how to put in an IV. You probably got a lecture on it. You probably read about it in your textbook. Uh, you maybe had like a PowerPoint handout. And your professor talked it through. So let's say you did all those things. You read all your lectures. You read all your PowerPoints. You read the books. Maybe even nowadays you watch a bunch of YouTube videos. At the end of that, do you know how to put an IV? Are you skilled at doing it? Well, I'm signed up for the Sim Lab, Miss Rachel. <laughs> so um, hopefully the mannequin's working. Right. Because a lot of times the Sim Lab doesn't get to be used as it should. Isn't that <laughs> going to be good enough? Right. Yeah. So exactly to my point, right? Like we can't just read a book and then expect to know how to do something. We might intellectually understand how to do it, but to actually have the skill, you have to have hands-on experience with it, right? Nobody cares how many books you've read on something. They only care if you can actually perform the procedure. It doesn't matter. No one's like going into surgery and saying, excuse me, Mr. Surgeon, how many books have you read? How many videos have you watched? No, they want to know how many they've done and how many times they've been successful. And that takes a longer training time, um, more than your hour 
to to uh, deliver, to make happen, right? So you first have to give the knowledge, then you give the space in the training to practice with high quality coaching individualized to each participant during the training. And then you do a whole uh, reset and kind of go around in that circle, right? Knowledge, attitude, practice, skill. Takes time. And I think of two two thoughts come up. First of all, think about the specialty training that physicians have, MDs, DOs. So your orthopedic surgeon or your hand surgeon or your interventional radiologist, they go to their undergrad, they go to med school, their residents, and then they ha- and they have fellowships. So seven years of training, let's say roughly for oncology or neonatal uh, intensivist, mm-hmm. years and years and years of training to be able to practice that specialty mm-hmm. as an example of what it takes to really be a specialist in a highly technical practice area. Same thing with communication, right? Not mm-hmm. seven years, but seven times a month to become fluent is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Because what I've said, my second thought is what I've said is language in hospitals and healthcare is is a it's a unique language. Communication is a unique language. And it takes practice to become fluent. Mm-hmm. So new nurses that come into a job, they were in school, even in clinicals, they they learn language and they 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 become familiar with it. But when they're carrying the load of a patient, even as a new grad orienting, they they are walking the walk, they're living it. And they have to use that language. And and at first, I think they're often scared. I was a clinical mentor and we had to work with the new grads as they started to get precepted. They they were afraid to speak. They had to get confident and they had to start mm-hmm. talking the talk and they had to give report or they had to call a doctor or an APP to report a change in patient condition and to get an order to do anything. Mm-hmm. They had to practice to become fluent. So this these techniques that you teach or that, you know, as a trainer, mm-hmm. you have to practice to become fluent in order to implement the change, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And ideally, practicing with a skilled coach who can teach you and coach you in the moment is probably the quickest way that I know of to to gain proficiency. So for example, actually, um, uh, we have time for more stories. I love stories. <laughs> okay. So back in, oh boy, I think 2012, um, I was a year into being an, an, an NNP and I decided to become a clinical uh, shoot, what's the clinical, clinical nurse specialist? CNS? No, um, like clinical instructor, clinical instructor. That's okay. it. Yeah. Um, okay. So back in about 2012, I decided to be a clinical instructor for a local university. I was the pediatric instructor because if you remember, I got my PMP first. So that knowledge wasn't too far from my mind. Right. And um, so I had my seven or eight uh, senior nursing students. They were in their last semester. And there was one individual who was clearly very smart and extremely shy to the point of being kind of socially awkward. And the the fact is, life is a lot harder for everyone when you don't know how to engage socially. It's much harder for a nurse when there's that and then you don't know how to build trust quickly. You're not seen as as credible. Um, it just makes life much harder. And I know that firsthand because that used to be me. 
So I, for our midterm evaluations or midterm check-ins, I sat down with him and I said, okay, so this is my assessment. Do you agree, not agree? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, here's our plan. You don't want to be a pediatric nurse. You want to be an adult nurse. Um, so for the rest of the semester, I will give you patients, not based on what their disease process is, for the sake of giving you a variety of disease processes, I will give you the patients whose parents are always around. And we're going to practice. I'm going to teach you how to talk to them. I'm going to teach you small talk. I'm going to teach you how to talk to the physicians. I'm going to coach you on it. We're going to debrief after we go in. That is what you will be graded on for the remainder of the semester. So long as like you do at least your baseline, right? Like you still have to pass pediatrics. And I said, okay, this is my thought. What do you think? And he said, I absolutely agree. Every teacher I've ever had has told me I'm shy. You are the only one who has ever sought to help me with it. And that's what we did. So I would teach them a process because, you know, for many of us, it's so, you know, it's easier second nature, but it's not for everyone. And then we would go in the room. I would coach them on it ahead of time. We would go in the room and debrief and I would coach them on it immediately after. Ideally in a perfect world, I would coach in the moment too, but obviously in that situation, it's not appropriate. But the degree to which he excelled, I can only imagine is faster than any other time when he may have worked on this before, because I saw a huge improvement in six weeks. So the ability to go in and uh, work with someone in that way is just, it's huge. And it's, you cannot get that from an hour PowerPoint lecture. They're already trying to give you in a lecture so much content that it's right. overload. You know, we, we haven't even had formal training as nurses, at least in my graduate program on how to really do an effective PowerPoint presentation, let alone how to communicate it effectively. Don't mm -hmm. you remember just trying to cram in so much content for all the presentations you made in your master's programs? Yes, exactly. hundred percent. So when we talk about nurses growing and going forward on their journey and practice, their nursing life, how can what you offer with Elevate Nurses or another program from Dale Carnegie help nurses to meet goals in their career, open doors and find opportunities in their organizations where they work or outside of their organization or also outside of practice as they know it now, as they find new opportunities to do work that fits in their lives. Yeah. Well, so the main pillars of the things that I coach and train on are stress management, communication, and relationships. And when you think about those three things, any improvement in any one of them automatically improves the other two and automatically increases your confidence. It just does, right? It happened to me. I've seen it over and over and over again. You give someone the tools and the ability to communicate better, they're more confident reaching out to people and seeking opportunity. You give someone the tools to manage their stress, suddenly their inner selves can shine through where it might've been dampened before. You give someone the tools and the knowledge and the abilities to build relationships and opportunities open up in ways they hadn't. So it's, it's just sort of a no-brainer for me that as we learn skills like that, we are able to seek and accept opportunities that are in front of us, whereas we might before kind of shy away from them. So it's sort of like the logistics, not the logistics, but, you know, the high level of how this can help. 
sorry, I had to take a break a second. What was the other part of your question? Did you want to know like how they can, sorry, go ahead. So how, so how this program can help, how your program or one like it, Dale Carnegie can really help nurses. And you talked about the three pillars of what okay. you teach, the stress management, communication and relationships. So right. then nurses, let's say they want to put this on their professional development plan, their goals oh. for their plan for when they're going to get evaluated and get a raise. Don't you think this would be great training for someone to have um, as a goal for what they have to do every year, that long yeah. performance plan you make up to get the best raise possible, right? You, yeah. you do this long paper and you set goals. This communication training can be someone's goal and yeah. they ca- might have to reach outside the organization most likely to get some type of training to the extent that would really benefit them. Yeah, I completely agree. So training like this could simply be the end goal in and of, in and of itself for a nurse. Um, you know, I want to increase my communication. I want to decrease stress. I'm going to take this program. Absolutely. And of course, you'll get CEUs along with it. Um, I'm a provider, a CEU provider in the state of California. So any nurse in California that takes a program with me gets CEUs. So certainly in and of itself, this can simply be your goal. But think about this. If you take these programs and you increase these skills, suddenly you can have other goals that you might not ever have considered before. So for me, a stretch goal a couple of years ago was to be the chapter president of my local organization. And suddenly I was not just a, a leader of nurses. I was a leader of leaders. That was a stretch for me and it was huge, but I could not have done it without having these other skills. So maybe in your organization, for example, you might want to be chair or vice chair on one of the councils in your shared leadership. And right now, those that's not really available to you, given maybe some of your stress or, you know, you name it, your stress or your confidence. Um, so not only could training like this simply be a goal in and of itself, but it can really be a tool or a mechanism to get to another goal. And when you talk about the shared governance, the shared leadership in the hospital, I know they're always looking for people to fill those spots. And there's no limitation on nurses as to who can fill those spots, right? Maybe you mm-hmm. need to be in practice a year to hold an office. But my remem- my memory is that they're always looking for people to fill those spots. And mm-hmm. when you have this training, you stand out when you're proficient, you, know, you get fluent, you practice to maintain or grow your fluency. You stand out far and above. And you talk about stress management, relationships, and confidence makes you a superstar and a true leader, whether you aspire to be a leader or you just want to be your best self professionally mm-hmm. and personally in, in this work you do. You know, it, it opens the doors. And ultimately, doing the work on shared governance, it translates into more points on your evaluation, <laughs> more money, right? Yep. That's not why we talk about this. But in all practical forms, it is about a few more cents hourly in your hospital job. And that's just a springboard to more things you can do in your organization for jobs or outside the organization now or down the road. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I agree with you, especially in my organization, we're always looking for people to step up for shared governance. So for sure, I 
I mean, opportunities will, they're there, they're waiting for you. Um, there's a platform for you if you're only willing to step into that role. And you talked about your professional organization. You became the leader of leaders. Mm-hmm. What is the name of the organization? Again, you mentioned it earlier. Could you just say what the name of it mm-hmm. is? Yeah, it's the Association of California Nurse Leaders. And I'm in the San Diego chapter. So I was the chapter president. I have talked about on previous episodes what it means to be the member of a professional nursing organization, and it really did shape my career immensely because I found friendship, leadership, education, and education and scholarship through being a member of a professional nursing organization. I was a member of a chapter. I did not go beyond chapter leadership, but I did have leadership roles in the chapter. And even now, they're always looking for people to lead chapters as officers. But also people become members of planning committees for conferences, Mm -hmm. other activities within the organization. My organization that I've been most involved in is Oncology Nursing Society, ONS, because I've practiced in oncology most all of my career. And it they hire nurses to do the work of the organization. It is for nurses by nurses. So these trainings, when you step out of the direct clinical setting, the communication skills, what Elevate Nurses does, Mm -hmm. it is your way to open the door to work at an association as a job or to be a volunteer leader. And that is how you pave the way to a career that is, you're in control of it. It's fulfilling, exciting, Mm -hmm. and the world is at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind, Natalie, can I just add one other thing to this. It feels actually like a disservice that we're about, you know, we spent, I don't know, half an hour talking about this as it relates to nursing. And I'm only going to mention this as an afterthought, but I have to say the skills that I learned have been huge for my personal life. I cannot let that go unsaid. I am, I firmly believe that I am in the happy marriage that I'm in because I know how to manage conflict now because I know how to have difficult conversations, because I know emotional regulation and my own emotional management, because I have an inner self-confidence that I'm not looking to anybody else to get that from. Um, so I just want to make sure that you see the bigger picture of training and of broadening these skills. Um, if you don't picture it being useful to you in nursing, um, I mean, I highly think it is, but if that you know, if that isn't where you want to utilize it, just know that these are really just general life skills that we're talking about here. It is a win-win on the job and off the job. Thank yeah. you for pointing that out, Rachel, because a lot of people are, well, run down and they're not always, nurses are not always in their best place off the job because of how they operate on the job, whether mm-hmm. it's due to how the system is or how you see the system, mm-hmm. how are you doing with your own self-care at home mm-hmm. and your professional self-care, which I've talked about through this podcast in various episodes. So yes, having a balance on the job and off the job, communication is key. So that is a great way to bring us to the end of our conversation. I do think, Rachel, we need to talk further about this. And I know you've brought groups together. So I'm going to ask you to come back in 2023 and tell us more about what you do as we move forward from the last couple of years where things have been remote or altered because of the COVID 
operations or because of COVID, how it's affected our operations. So let's plan for another meeting and you can share more about Elevate Nurses because the stories are what really bring so much meaning to listeners, I hope, I think, rather than a lecture or a script. The real stories are what I hope will inspire nurses to elevate themselves through your program or a training that is in their organization. And I think nurses should have the confidence to request these services to support them. So I think of engagement surveys that hospitals really want input on from, from employees and nurses. Is This is a great way to ask for some training, Dale Carnegie or something else that's out there for venues beyond healthcare, bring it into the organization. Mm -hmm. How else? So then as we wrap up, how can nurses connect with you, Rachel? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I am most active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm not sure if your audience uses LinkedIn. If you do though, of course, you can find me there. You can email me at rachel at elevatenurses.com. Or you can find me on Facebook. I'm not as active there, but as I move into 2023, that is my new goal. So you can find me there. And I do have a page, a Facebook business page, Elevate Nurses. So you can find me in any one of those three locations. And I will be sure to include all of your contact information in the show notes, Rachel. Cool. I really appreciate you sharing stories. And I hope that that um, you will come back. And I want nurses to know that Rachel's program really is an example of how we as nurses can support each other and go in directions that we never dreamed possible to make the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Connect today with the CareerWise Nurse podcast community. Do this by emailing belong at careerwisenurse.com. That's B-E-L-O-N-G at careerwisenurse.com. Join the CareerWise Nurse Facebook group. A link is provided at the bottom of the page. Leave a review for this podcast. Scroll past the episodes where you will see write a review. I read every review because I want to know what you think, what you want to know, who you want to meet to help you live your best nursing life. Tap on the stars to rate this podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.